3: All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain football podcast. Jeremy here, soon to be hanging out with our buddy Matt Kennerly, as always. Um, MWWire.com is our website. You can find everything. Twitter, MWCWire. The reason I say he'll be joining us shortly is because, well, when we recorded this podcast, the recap, we talked about the Air Force, San Diego State, Boise, CSU kind of realignment stuff, and then also Utah State, BYU. But unfortunately, for some reason, that first 10 minutes went basically like a second. So I don't know what happened, but that's all it we'll was missed. We have every game all day Saturday, but the, the news we talked about at the top of the show was with CSU and Air Force now returning to Mountain West, right? maybe not returning, but never really going as all the reports out there. So we, we went through to discuss that, like what's the point? And one thing Matt mentioned, well, it's always about money and there's going to be more money in the Mountain West, which makes a lot of sense with the American losing since Houston. Um, Crap, who's the other team? Cincinnati, Houston. Oh, UCF. They're going to lose money in the Americans. So it makes sense. Money rules all. So that's why those teams would stay. Plus, Or why does CSU want to go out there unless they want to change recruiting to Texas? That's about it. So we're not sure what's going on with that. But the one question we have, we have a pull-up on our Twitter about what should be done, like a G5 ad, stay put, basketball. My moonshot would be get a couple basketball schools. Plus, like, say, an SMU and or at utsa or some texas school um some something along those lines get those type of programs over there i do kind of mention memphis but that's kind of a little bit tricky then maybe like see if wichita or gonzaga or mexico state or grand canyon that kind of make the big picture make the league really good but who knows who will all want to come because of basketball if all those were to leave because west coast is dropping without byu but gonzaga doesn't need them the americans in basketball wichita state had the conversations before if they can grab those couple of schools, it could be better than maybe the Pac-12 with the Big East, stuff like that. So it's kind of what was discussed, but the Mountain West is good at for the time being staying pat. So that's all I was missed. And we kind of discussed the BYU, or we did discuss Utah State BYU. Real quick at the Aggies, kind of the main point with that is that BYU is pretty good team, top 15, top 10 now. They nearly had them. If not for say that last drive when Tyler Eager had that sixty-seven yard run, then scored like a play later hit over two hundred yards. The ground game wasn't the kind for BYU or for, against Utah State. For what BYU was trotting out there, um, we did mention the quarterback injuries on BYU side is always uh, in this game quite interesting. With Tasty Hill, a couple of times you've had other quarterbacks in the past years just get injured, which is weird. But Utah State just couldn't run the ball themselves, and BYU's defense just stifled everything. And despite that, despite Logan Butter getting hurt, it was still a really reasonably close game. But check out our buddy's Logan's recap on the whole game as, as well if you kind of missed any of it. But it was a pretty good game. They didn't Aggies didn't play the best, but they played with enough chances to win, and so that was good. But we'll see what the injury status is because Andrew Peasley came in for quarterback. So that's kind of what you guys missed. But now we'll get to the rest of the episode and with the rest of Week Five games. All right, let's move to the Saturday games. Boise State versus Nevada. Oh, boy. 41-31. They went on the blue turf for the first time in a long time, Matt. 1997, I believe. A long time. 1997. First time they've beaten Boise in a while, too. So this game, 24-year um, 24, yeah, 24 drought they win in Idaho for the Wolfpack. So when do we um, start seeing Boise's just, eh, they're just all right? Or has it already, already been the case for most people? Well, I mean, I I was having
2: the conversation about this with, with some Boise State fans last week and they 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 weren't buying what I was trying to sell. Kind of wonder if they're if they're rethinking that.
3: It doesn't help when George Felani gets hurt again. Their running game is awful. Offensive line. I know they had there was what was it, about their fourth different starting lineup, and they're down to the third string center, I believe, this week. Uh
2: but
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah six true. sacks.
3: Six TFLs, four QB hurries. Hank Bachmar has a solid day, but he's running for his life and getting hit after hit.
2: There was a number of plays where he didn't even get the chance to run for his life because, you know, Tristan <laughs> Nichols or, or Sam Hammond or okay, Don Peterson was literally right there. Like, I I, I I wish I could remember which one it was. It was like literally like Bachmar took the snap and then like you know within a second and a half or two seconds, there was a defender in the backfield on him. It was like, you know, nobody was blocked a, him or something like that. I think it was one of the Peterson sacks or maybe the Hammond. Sacks. I don't remember which one it was, but it was just like it was it was sort of startling, like how fast he was in a defender's arms.
3: I'm pretty sure it's Peterson. I remember that tweet in all caps. You mentioned something about Don Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it was him. But it's like a J.J. Clowney tackling Michael Hart in the backfield of the Michigan in the bowl game. He's like, you're not going anywhere. But this matchup, like, I give credit to, like, a lot of things like Nevada Tawa had a huge rushing game after two weeks ago where he was just a complete mess. They don't need Romeo Dubs to play a big game to win on 45 yards. They they are come from behind 21 to. I guess they're now fourteen 10 They're down at the half at yeah, 21-20, but the defense steps up and shuts down Boise in the, in the second half. Um, I'm not going to say, like, I don't want to frame this like, oh, Boise lost Nevada won Like, they lost it where Nevada won. But no, Nevada ran the ball better. They stopped the running game. They attacked the quarterback. Like, Bachmeyer clearly is, it, it, like you said, he had no time to throw. I don't know what they can do to fix it because if your running game isn't going well, you can't drop him back 45, 50 times and hope he survives. That's kind of what their game plan is, on offense at least.
2: A little bit. <laughs> I mean, to so, me, like, the, what I'm sorry, what were you going to
3: say? No, no, continue.
2: No, I was just going to say, like, you know, to me, the biggest difference in this game, like I said, is the, is the running game. Because what was what was fascinating is watching Nevada's game plan. I wish I I had like the exact breakdown of like runs to passes, but it seemed like during the entire first quarter, they were just content to be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna put the ball in Carson Strong's hands and we're gonna let him make magic. And, you know, for the most part, like, it kind of worked, didn't it?
3: Well, 10 points in the first quarter.
2: Yeah. And, but, you know, it really wasn't until, you know, Toa Tawa started getting more involved that the tenor of the game really shifted because, you know, even though Nevada tried to shoot itself in the foot, you know, here and there, like, you know, they still had a number of penalties in this game where it was like, okay, well, what is going on? like, can they can they just, like, get it together for a moment and get this drive going in the right direction? You know, they ended up with, like, what, 11 penalties in this game for 76 yards? But, you know... Too many. They, but they were able to overcome that just because, you know, Tawa, with the ball in his hands, you know, made plays where Andrew Buren and Cyrus and Bibi Likio couldn't, you know, and they had a kind of a little bit of attitude. I think there was, there was one play, I think it was after the back-to-back long runs he had, um... I think it was in the third quarter. I can't remember exactly. But he had those back-to-back, you know, 20, 30-yard runs. At the end of the second one, you know, he had like a little extra something for J.L. Skinner, you know, who was Mm -hmm. coming up to try and tackle him, which I thought was really interesting. It was sort of like, um, okay, we're like we're really asserting ourselves now at this
3: point. Yeah, just a record, in the first quarter, 13 pass attempts. Yeah. For so, or th- I assume, apologies, 15 in that first, first quarter when they scored 10 points. so it, That sounds like right. you're Yeah, I just wanted to get out there. Like 15 out of, I didn't see the running plays. I'm looking through maybe 15, 15 to 5, and it'd be a balanced day. But the, also, it helps when you're plus three and turnover margin because all three Boise's turnovers came in the second half.
0: Mm-hmm. They had
3: those two poor snaps, which I looked it up. I was trying to see how many yards it was. Minus 40 yards on those two bad snaps. Mm-hmm. So that clearly that. <laughs> Doesn't help. But again, they're they're down to the third string center, and they were still sort of close in that third quarter. Kind of put them away because Nevada scored 18 points, which is qu- quite a bit, obviously, in that third mm-hmm. quarter to go ahead. But again, it's this is the same sort for Boise State. Quarterback can't be protected. Bachmeyer has a good game. They can't run the ball well enough, and Hank just can't stand in the pocket and do it. But then you include turnovers: the two fumbles, interception. Like, the receiving team obviously did fine. Like, throwing the Cobbs, Octavius Evans. Khalil Shakir had that amazing touchdown pass. Like, he had good play. The, those are good players, but you can't be one-dimensional. And it's it's one thing to throw the ball a ton and be successful and not run it well. But he's throwing for a time, but also ch- being chased around and looking over his shoulder every time and there's no protection. That's mm-hmm. clearly uncomfortable and not good. It's – like. Boise hasn't had this record, like, two and three. They haven't lost back-to-back home games in – oh, shit, I looked up earlier, but in a very long time. They haven't had this type of record since they were eight and four, in the, like, one of the early, early years in Mountain West. This is just a team where, yeah, new head coach, Avalis, a lot of changes, but the thing is, all the adjustments – not the adjustments, but all the issues from last year or even the year before, they're all the same. There's nothing new. That It's like not, – it's not yeah, new coach, but – We've been talking about Hank Buckmark getting hit and crushed into the freshman game of the Florida State when they beat the Seminoles. Like, this has been a three-year process of the offensive line being completely garbage
2: and the running yeah, game I mean, not there. And, the, you know, the frustrating part is, like, a lot of things actually went right for them in this game. You know, like, they they outperformed Nevada in the red zone, for one. You know, they had more yeah. red zone points with the opportunities that they were given. Um, you know, they can, they converted more third downs, you know, 12 of 19 versus six of 14 for the Wolfpack, you know, they, you know, but the the problem was like, they killed themselves with turnovers. They killed themselves with poor offensive line play and, you know, for as, as well as the defense held up for the most part, like, you know, they have, you know, Brandon Talton had four field goals, which, you know, seems to suggest on one hand, like it could be a lot worse. Yeah,
3: fifty um, to thirty one.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know, they so they were able to make some stops. They were able to try and hang in there. Um, and they were able to get some pressure they on the other. Yeah, four yeah, sacks.
3: Isaiah had, had, have, uh
2: had three sacks himself.
3: Yeah. It's two small areas. And I don't care who you're playing out there, your offensive line has to play. Nevada's defense took advantage and just crushed them and dominated and did what they want. So it's like these are all scholarship players on there. Yeah, I have you your number one, number two guys, but I don't know if it's it's like a depth. it's clearly at this level depth is a problem, but any team that plays their third string center, but it's not just that. Like I said, the fourth different starting lineup on the line and they've only played five games. Yeah. So we thought had, the, I mean, long term around. that's
2: not a good sign. You know, that's the kind of thing where it's like if they can't find a combination that works, then they're at risk of having a you know, a few more exercises in frustration like this.
3: And also, like, not to go too much on Boise, but Nevada played a – when they're a balanced team, they're much better because look, Kansas State, they couldn't – like, this is also very good. Kansas State came, they couldn't stop the run or run the ball. This game, mm-hmm. they turned that both around and both played very well. So when they're more balanced, in particular when Romeo Dubs isn't getting 30, 40, 50-plus yard catches, he was only 5 of 45. Mm-hmm. And so they relied on Cole Turner, who had to touchdown Lock, Lockhart. Justin Lockhart had almost 100 yards they're better when they're more well-rounded and that's what the team needs to be but they took advantage and they came out from that slight hole in the first half and forcing turnovers, getting short field, scoring off those turnovers is clearly why why they won the game. So, when you look at the Mountain Division really quick cuz Nevada's this is a big win for them because conference play in the West is going to be crazy. Yes. But so who's like your favorite in the Mountain Division? Is it Wyoming? Like who is it? Like who's your top team out there?
2: Well, I think we'll probably talk about them more in a moment.
3: Okay, we'll get to them. I'll pull up my power ranking at the moment. We'll get to it later. But uh, what do what do we got for the next game here? What are we going to? Uh, that would
2: be your Air Force Falcons, thirty eight to ten over my? the Mexico Lobos. Uh, you're my
3: you're, Air Force you're
2: being like our, our listeners. <laughs> Air Force Falcons.
3: Yeah, okay. I'm I'm like like where did this come from? I like the Falcons, all well, but
2: your co- your conference is
3: Falcons. Yeah. There we go, thirty-eight to ten, not even close. Oh, um, are we? Is is uh, Danny Gonzalez okay? Is he gonna be all right with uh, this performance or going forward? Because they got smoked on the ground, four hundred yards against. Bobby Cole didn't do very well. Terry Wilson didn't do very well. Basically, the whole Lobo team did not do very well in this game.
2: Yeah, I mean they were still missing a few a few of their pass catchers to contact tracing for COVID, but yeah. you know I think that was that was far less of an excuse for just how they looked against the Falcons than it would have been last week against Utah. You know they and, and maybe some of that has to do with the quality of competition. I think it's pretty clear that Air Force is is a very good team on both sides of the ball. You know like like mm-hmm. on offense for instance, Hazy Daniels only had to throw the ball two times um i think you know when you're when you're a triple option team like that's that's sort of the dream like that's how you know things are going well for you um yeah. but you know i think to me the the more concerning issues is that the offense has sort of gone backwards over the last couple of weeks and i thought you know maybe against the, against the minors that they were being shorthanded might have had an influence on that It'd be like okay well you know terry wilson's without like some of his leading receivers you know maybe we can give him a little bit of slack but you know, you look at this game and you see that Trey Hall, of all people, was the guy who led the team in receptions, three catches, uh, 23 yards and a (laughs) touchdown. Um, I mean, that's not necessarily a great sign. And it's not like they they didn't get some chunk plays, you know, like Luke Wysong had another 20-yard catch. Um, uh, Andrew Erickson had another 20-yard catch, but that was in the fourth quarter when the game was well out of reach. So it's not like they weren't able to to develop some chunk plays, but like you said, like they, they're not getting any help from their own game either. And I think if anything, that is probably the one thing that's going to stick in, in, Gonzalez's craw. Because if, if is yeah. not getting help on the ground, then, you know, we know, we know this is still very much a work in progress and there's going to be so only so much that the passing game can do to make up for it.
3: Like Bobby Cole had 15 yards. Yeah. Julian rushers had 15 yards like Dumas. Aaron Dumas had 15 yards. Like, defense, like, I want to say they had big games. Like, when you have, uh, no, um, what's his name? Joy Noble with 18 total tackles. But then again, when Air Force runs the ball 73 times, you yeah. have a couple guys with double-digit tackles. He had can we just say that again, though? Can we say that again? 18? 18, 18, 18 total tackles.
2: tackles. Including a sack and two TFLs. Let's not forget about that. As a defensive yeah. end in a 3-3-5. <laughs> Okay, I I want to repeat it because that is pretty impressive.
3: With an option offense that has multiple ways to get the ball uh, when he's a, only three guys up there. Yeah, but, that, to, but, to,
2: uh, but to echo what I said about the offense, you know, the fact that they only had 5 TFLs as a team when the Falcons were running roughshod all over them also not a great sign. They just weren't they weren't getting enough push up front and you know that's how that's how you end up with Brad Roberts going off for 29, 29 carries, one hundred and forty two yards, two scores. You know that's how you know you get a guy like DeAndre Hughes, who is seeing his first extended action of the year, ten carries, eighty nine yards, and a touchdown. You know, cause, uh, did you see that touchdown run?
3: I I, I did the, not see that particular one now.
2: The fifty three yarder down the down the right sideline.
3: I don't think I saw that one now.
2: That, that Hughes guy is pretty fast.
3: imagine yeah
2: yeah but but i mean they also didn't need to generate a lot of chunk plays on the ground either to get it done like you know they didn't need daniels to do a lot of the heavy lifting he only had seven carries in this game it was like they weren't doing anything flashy really they just you know they they had it all working and that's how you ended up with a with a four touchdown victory
3: so when you're mentioning the best teams is air force maybe your top team in the mountain division
2: I mean, I was buy I was buying Wyoming stock in the preseason over the summer, mm-hmm. and and I'm 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 careful to say that like you know Air Force looked really good, but also Navy looked a little shaky that they did beat UCF this past weekend. Um, mm-hmm. although the, you know, the Knights are shorthanded. that's another story. But you know Navy they looked look improved last weekend. I'll say, um, you know they beat an FCS team, they beat a Florida Atlantic team, which you know, they had their own rebound. They looked very impressive against Florida international and, you know, New Mexico is still like, they're, they're still not great. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But at a certain point, you like, you see that they've got it all clicking like the defense knows how to make plays. Like we didn't even talk about, um, you know, Vince Sanford, the outside linebacker. Oh yeah. Huge. You know, what, three three and, and a half sacks. And, and when I looked for that, you know, the last time a Falcons defender had done that, um, apparently that hasn't happened since at least before 2000 to give you a sense of kind Not of what? Where, where that kind of performance is at. You know, he had a great game. Corvin Taylor had another great game. You know, it's it was just like an all around team effort that we've seen out of the Falcons over the last few weeks. And so I think, you know, if they can put up this kind of performance against a team that they should beat, I guess I would say, then I think that bodes well for them against the teams that are likely to
1: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples.
2: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as job. simple you know as
1: bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The, the show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal
3: on Spotify. Here's what we'll know about the Falcons. They have host Wyoming, go to Boise State, and then host San Diego State. Next week is yeah. going to be huge for them. Mm-hmm. They, like, they could... Go obviously any records possible during those three games, whether it be zero and three, one and two, whatever they can win or lose all those games, or the win or lose a combination of those. Because Utah State loss is still kind of perplexing for the defense when you look at every other game they have played. So that was it's kind of a maybe it's just the one off game that was just kind of a weird one, which is at, at the moment it's looking that way. But when they go to when they host Wyoming in the rivalry game, that'll be can they can the defense stop Xavier Holiday? Or can they run against that same Wyoming defense at Boise? Just because they they could throw the ball a lot, and maybe that's what Utah State did and kind of got them. So that'll be those next three games, and then they get the Army game. We'll know a ton about if they're like a, if they're seven to one, top twenty five team at that point. Which if they go seven to one, they better be like a top twenty team if they can win versus those three teams. Well, that's Something. what I'm saying. Like you, like know,
2: the, the, what they've done over the past few weeks is remind people. Oh, yeah, they were a top twenty-five team two years ago.
3: Yeah, and they were getting votes early on too in this year preseason, I believe. So, so you know, don't don't sleep on the Falcons. I'm debating. I I have I put up the Twitter, my Twitter poll, or not Twitter, whatever the rankings. I did put Boise ahead of Air Force. I think I may switch that before I officially submit them to the Google Doc. Because I have Air Force six, which seems criminally low, but there's a lot of good teams in the conference. Yeah, I might just swim them a Boise State. I don't know why I have Boise number five. It's like, eh, what have they really done to be top five team, right? Not exactly. Much. Are Are we going to UNLV, UTSA? What, the upset nearly happened.
2: An exercise in frustration. If you if you uh, uh, if you listen to Marcus Arroyo, and honestly, he's got a lot. He's got a lot of good reason for it.
3: Yeah, he's not happy. He They lost, uh, what, 31-24? Wasn't this like no, a 30, it thirty 20, 24-17. Sorry, apologies. I knew it was a seven-point game. Wasn't this like a 30-point line for UTSA? Something ridiculous? It was, it was 21
2: or something like that, yeah.
3: Uh, it was too many points, in my opinion. So they don't have Doug Brumfield. He doesn't get gets recovery, whatever. Cameron Frill, he's going to be – I don't know who the quarterback's going to be because Brumfield and him are both young guys – I think they have the quarterback play. Would you say mostly figured out? Whoever's in there, it seems like the past couple weeks they've done say, well enough. I would for say
2: that game. Cam Friel has has improved from week to week. You know, but you know, yeah. part of the part of what held UNLV back in this game is the fact that you know he still made at least a couple of like really killer freshman mistakes, um, which you know, de- yeah, two over. yeah and depending on two,
3: three turnovers.
2: Yeah. So like, depending on, you know, how, what your perspective is, like you can look and see, I believe both of his interceptions happened on fourth down, you know, so, you know, you can argue, you know, good process, bad outcome and more, if, if you really wanted to. And despite, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's a good sign for them that they've continued being aggressive, but I think overall, like you, you look at his final line and despite the interceptions, you know, it was far and away his best game of the year. You know, he, he completed 67% of his passes, you know, 25 to 37. He re- he went over 300 yards, you know, averaged over eight yards an attempt. You know, that is markedly better quarterback play than you've seen for long stretches out of the Rebels over the last couple of years. And so, yeah. you know, you start to think, okay, well, if they want to kind of slow roll Brunfield back to health, if, if the if the offensive line can give him more protection because he also took six sacks in this game which is why he briefly got knocked out on a on a touchdown throw that Justin rogers ended up throwing
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> Look um, <that> guy. <laughs> you know it,
2: you know the offensive line definitely struggled in this game which I think is something that arroyo is probably gonna let them hear about all throughout practice this week not only because yeah. of the sacks but because you know Charles Williams and Chad Magier really weren't able to get it going mm. you know between the two of them the average basically three yards play. play. Um, and then also, you know, Julio Garcia got thrown out of the game for unsportsmanlike conduct.
3: Yeah, they could you know, that's, that's like, half. that's
2: your, that's your best guy on the unit right there. And despite all that, you know, they weren't terrible on third downs, you know, five of 13, you know, they converted two of their three red zone opportunities. They were right there. And so it's like, you know, if you're a Rebels fan, you're like, you just wanted it to happen. And they just could never yeah. get it, especially since, you know, we talked about UTSA was not necessarily. Like, yeah. And they weren't necessarily an explosive team and they didn't really, you know, do a lot of damage. Like they had some chunk plays, especially through the air. You know, they didn't really, the rebels didn't excuse me, need to offer a lot of resistance to Frank Harris in particular. Oh, you know, he no. was 24, 30, 278 yards and two touchdowns. Like he had all time. He had time to throw like way too often. But you know, sincere yeah, McCormick, no didn't, didn't, Yeah, sincere McCormick didn't really go off though. You know, they held him to 89 yards on the on the game, 3.1 yards per carry. Like that's a win. Um, you know, they forced two missed field goals from one of the better special teams units anywhere in the country. That's a win. So like you you saw enough to be like, you know, if if a handful of things go differently, you know, maybe they you know, have a, a handful of fewer penalties or they have a little more discipline or for real, you know, just chooses to throw it away or throw it to somebody else and see what happens. They're right there.
3: I think that's the frustration, because yeah. I looked real quick. Both, both those turnovers, the interceptions were on third down, third and long. Both oh, of those came. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I sort of point that out. But also, not just to say that's what it was, but both those turned into 14 points. So Arroyo yeah. is very frustrated where they, like you mentioned, field goals are missed they like they're in the game like if they don't have the, if you punt the ball maybe they still score you don't know that or if you convert it clearly you score but there were probably what five what at least two plays maybe two to five plays that could have made a difference and they win this game possibly yeah if their running game is a little bit better if they maybe sack Harris once or something because they had what five pass plays of over f- 13 yards it looks like at least they had yeah. a couple two two over 30 three over yeah. 20 i mean so, I like to
2: I like to look at yards per play as sort of a measuring stick for how and and in this game they're basically even like UTSA averaged 5.4 yards per play UNLV averaged 5.2 you know that is like I said that is also despite the lack of havoc markedly better than what you'd seen against admittedly tougher opponents in in, in recent weeks
3: So Rushing, again, penalty, again, they are like, they are
2: right there, and if if they just have a little more discipline and and you know push a little bit more, you know they've had like what three one score losses this, so far this year. You know they lost by two to Eastern Washington, eight to Fresno, and and seven to UTSA. Like those look, are three, look those look are three pretty good teams that they give them, you know a run to their money too. Look
3: this way, like they lose by one touchdown. Here's where they were not good. Five of thirteen on third down, not really good. Um, what one on three and fourth down, whatever. But seven penalties to three, minus three turnover margin, one point two yards per play on the ground. Like, if they if any of those categories are better, they probably win this game. Like, if they're eight of thirteen on third down, or if they have maybe one turnover or two turnovers, or they have three penalties instead of seven, like there's you don't do stupid ejection penalty in the fourth quarter by starting offensive linemen like they're pick maybe one and a half of those that are better and they win this game. Mm-hmm. Not, not even remarkably better, just a little bit better in a few categories. And they win this game. That's where the frustration likely comes from because you have all these mistakes and miscues and you, it's still, you still have a chance to tie the game at the end and win. Yeah, it was tough. And yeah, so that's, um, Quarterback plays seems to be figured out. Like it's just a couple things. Like if Charles Williams has maybe 85 yards instead of 48, maybe they win. I don't know. They, and well, did we even mention uh, Mr. Steve Jenkins in this game? A touchdown, the 63 yarder, 114 overall, pretty good day That's for him. That's true. Yeah. Like the ta- Did Tyler Collins even play? He had no catches here. Was he even on the field?
2: I I think he was. I think he was banged up actually. I think he, oh, he I and a couple I, of other people didn't make the trip. Like Brumfield didn't make the trip, neither did Tate Martell. Yeah. Um, I think he was one of those people who did not play in this game.
3: So yeah, right there. A couple – a few extra things. It did, It did. What, what I'm saying is it wouldn't take much to win this game for how – not poorly they played, but there's a lot of areas that could have been improved. But just a little bit better, they could have won this game. So next time, Rebels, right? That's right. All right. Are we going to um, – okay, To Mexico State, San Jose State. Mm-hmm. They went 37-31. How concerned are you now of the Spartans' defense? It gives up 31 points to a really, really bad New Mexico State team.
2: Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
3: just, I'm just saying, look at what we've been praising their defense all year, what they've been doing in this game. They give up three passing touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought that New Mexico State might pose a little bit of trouble. I didn't expect this, really. I didn't expect them to come out and play a complete game and, and really
3: put a scare into the Spartans like this. Me, me neither. It's like they had to go with Nick Nash the quarterback because um, Nick Stark that left shoulder is still not doing well. Like they ran the ball well with Tylen Evans. That's kind of how they kept it in. A couple of big, big ground plays on, rushing the ball. Derek Deese, obviously, was the star for the tight end for what he could do. He had a majority of the passing yards, 130 of them. But yeah, New Mexico state, they were, San Jose state was struggling the first quarter. The, it was, they were mostly ahead, but Aggies were just made that comeback in the fourth quarter. They kept chipping away to kind of make it an interesting game. Like in that first half, like all the back-to-back scoring, it's like, is somebody going to take advantage? I kind of felt when they got that interception off of New Mexico state and then scored one play later, I'm like, okay, they're going to roll run away at this game. But, they did not. Mexico State comes back and scores after that fumble in the third quarter to be, to make it a three-point game.
2: Yeah, and I think you know the saving grace is that the offense finally found some answers, you know, both on the ground and in the air. Like they, they got back to being balanced, which is something that they really struggled with earlier in non-conference play. A lot of that has to do with Nick Nash kind of stepping into the breach. And, and really stepping up big time, you know, 14 of 17, 195 yards and three touchdowns You know, between him. You mentioned Derek Deese, Tyler Nevins, one over the century mark. You know, they got exactly what they needed against this defense, which, you know, we figured that might be the case. But it was sort of like, OK, well, is it actually going to happen? Uh, and then, yes, Kay, you know, case close in that resolve in, in that regard. I don't. I mean, I don't so know what it, to make of the defensive performance because, you know, on the one hand, like it wasn't, it was like relative to some of their other recent performances, it wasn't great. But in terms of like you know average yards per play, you know, five point seven for for Mexico State isn't terrible, and it's sort yeah. of outweighed by the fact that by the that the offense just had its best overall game of the of the season so far. Um, you know, they outgained them basically by two yards per play anyway. So I don't know if I'm overly concerned, but I think you know the bigger question is just going to be okay. Well, now the offense was able to do against New Mexico State. Things are only going to get harder from here. So you know how 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 real is that performance going to be? I think
3: that's to me is the big question. So what do you think? Like you mentioned, with talking, let's kind of go back to the offense. Stink Nash, there. Why would they? Not that you would know, but. Why Why didn't he play last week, really, when they had all the other guys come in for uh, Nick Starfield? Well, he was,
2: he was playing wide receiver at that point, I think.
3: Oh, uh, okay. I guess that's a point. I was, it's still weird, right? Why not put him back in quarterback last week? Mm-hmm. It's just uh, I, get, I get what they're doing. He's out there to make plays. But then he comes in and starts this game completely and does fine. It's just because uh, he went freaking 15 of 18. Like, very efficient day for him throwing the ball. I – I still, again, with San Jose State, I don't know what to make of them because the offense played better. Best game in a while, probably since the Southern Utah game, which New Mexico State slightly better than the um, Thunderbirds down there. But the defense, you're right. Like, what, the, what New Mexico State did was probably their best game, but shouldn't San Jose State just shut them down? Like, there's something – I don't want to complain too much, but maybe we're complaining to just complain. They win a game. They need to win a game. Like, they had six – TFLs a sack. They got off their quarterback a bit, but he still threw for 300 yards. The running game was shut down pretty well. It's just mostly the passing game that I was able to get after the secondary with the, what Jonah Johnson did. So I, maybe we're nitpicky, but 31 points is a lot to give up to New Mexico State, which I believe was a season high. I want to say right. I believe so. Maybe?
2: But I mean, t- like I said, I think the bigger the bigger story is they finally made all their opportunities count. Like you know, they were five for five on red zone attempts and. And, and they were also, you know, they they saw more plays on New Mexico's side of the field um, than the Aggies did for, on, on the Spartan side of the field. I didn't know. I don't know if you noticed this on stat broadcast. They have a bunch of ad- advanced statistics now. Did you note know that?
3: Um, I actually haven't used stat broadcast a ton this year, so that's good to know. Maybe I'll so start. This is, so this past- is a super fun stat. I'm going to throw out
2: there for everybody just to give you. a So San Jose State had 58% of its plays come on New Mexico State's side of the field. Oh boy, that's a lot. And and for, you know, for New Mexico State, that number was only thirty nine percent. So, you know, when you take that into account, when you take an uh, yeah, and when you take into effect Nash's explosiveness in particular, you know, they didn't throw the ball that, you know, deep that much, but when they did, they made those opportunities count. Like, you know, the Aggies beat them in the medium passing game. But you know, the the Spartans were four for four on those deep shots that they took. And to me, like that's another thing that makes a difference in this game. You know, and that's also something that we didn't really see a lot
3: of. So what, if you're going to go 0-10 to 10 Spartans, where would you kind of put them at, kind of like their trend going forward?
2: I mean, I think they're probably in the middle of the pack. I just don't know where you would slot them in.
3: Okay, that's fair. It's hard to tell. It's one game, and it gets another game. I mean, because it, it's
2: so. very, it's very clearly hasn't been last year's team, but I think they're just trying to figure oh. out, okay, well, what is it that we can be? And it's one thing to figure it out against Southern Utah and, and New Mexico State, and it's another to like, you know, as they start turning their attention more to conference play now, like they've already got a win that, under uh, their belt.
3: Yeah.
2: But yeah, it's like I said, it's the same as for everybody else. It's only going to get harder from here.
3: Alright, we'll see. I just it's good that they won this way after backup and everything, but once again A that's up to for competition. competition. Totally. Okay. Alright, final the game of the weekend. Oh boy. Hawaii 27. Fresno State 24. My man Ty Jones can't catch the ball in the red zone. Tips off his hands. Game ceiling interception. S- Matt, six turnovers? Four interceptions? Yeah. yeah. You you have Cortis davis make like one of the picks of the year like that i had to watch that play like four times to see how he actually got it and that went right in the end zone essentially it What well, what's wrong with your bulldog what happened just a not a great day holding on to the ball and that's clearly six turnovers you get sacked three times That's a not a combination to get any sort of victory
2: did you did you happen to see the very first thing i wrote in my preview
3: of this game um, I don't recall what it was. So what did you put on so, there?
2: So for those of you who didn't read the article, the first thing I wrote was tread carefully against the secondary. uh, um, uh Just, you're just a fan, kidding. Just kidding, I guess. <laughs> because, you know, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the game-sealing interception is the one that's going to get the most headlines. But, like, there was at least a couple of decisions that, that Hainer made that were just not good.
3: Weren't you know, there four in the red
2: zone? Yeah, and this okay. So here's here's a stat that that, Sorry. that Jackson. Sorry, over to No, no, no. So Jackson oh, Moore Ford. found this stat over from 24/7 Sports. Every single one of Fresno State's possessions got to midfield, at worst. Thirteen drives. That's good. Four That's of good. them got points. Not good. Not good. And, and and you know more to the point, like when you look at their red zone production. You know that basically tells you the entire story of the game. Hawaii was four for four inside the twenty. They got twenty points out of those trips, including a couple of touchdowns. Fresno State was one of four with one touchdown. Like that, that's the difference in the game right there. Well,
3: also seventeen points off turnovers as well. Doesn't that too? Know?
2: Yeah, and 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 it didn't. I mean, I don't know exactly how much attention it's gotten, but the fact that Jay Keener is still not a hundred percent. Is something that yeah. I think definitely played a role down the stretch in this game. he have played, you know, He shouldn't have played versus UNLV. They should have done something else. I think. Well, well he got knocked out briefly in this game. You know, Jalen Henderson know, saw a little cool bit noise. of playing time, and then yeah. uh, and then if you look at if you look at his passing produ- production before and after his absence in that game, he was twenty one or excuse me, he was twenty first first thirty one, and eight for his last nineteen after that. That right there is the story of the game. You know, and, and you know, including two you know his last two interceptions. But I feel like all of that sort of takes away credit from from Hawaii's defense, which you know, maybe it doesn't it's on its face look ex- maybe it doesn't look exactly the same as their game plan against Nevada last year because obviously he threw for a lot more yards than Strong did. But mission accomplished either way, because, you know, Corey Bethley had a couple of interceptions. Cortez Davis had an all-conference interception of his own. Um, and then Hugh Nelson, of course, had the one that, that sealed the game. But, you know, they they got pressure up front. They had three sacks and five TFLs. You know, they held the Fresno State running game mostly in check, other than a couple of big runs. And and that's something maybe we aren't talking enough about is the fact that Hayner is having to do a lot of himself, despite not being a hundred percent. And the running game I mean is kind of sort of picking him up here and there, but not as consistently as they could be. You know, that's something that I think is getting a lot uh, gonna get a lot of attention over the bye week, I would imagine. But also like, you know, it's just you know one of those things where you take a step back and you look at how the game actually unfolded. You know, they outgained Hawaii on a per-play basis, 6.2 to 4.9. There was just the red zone opportunities killed them. The turnovers killed them. And honestly, you know, and, and Hawaii did just enough on offense to be able to kind of turn them away.
3: So are you telling me Fresno lost this game and Hawaii didn't win it despite getting 14-6 turnovers?
2: Well, no, I think Hawaii's defense definitely won it by giving the okay. offense enough opportunities to—, to basically finished drives. You know, you look at their, hey, speech, man, look at their scoring, I mean, you look at their, their last three scoring drives, let's say, um, you know, two of them started on Fresno state side of the field. One of them started at the Hawaii 40. Like that's the difference right there because, you know, you look at, for example, Braden Shager making his first career start. You know, he, he had a couple of nice plays early on, you know, a couple of chunk plays to Nick Mardner, you know, one that set up that first touchdown in the first quarter. Um, but you know, on the whole, he was only 11 of 27 for 116 yards and two touchdowns. Like the bulk of his, of his, of his production came on the one chunk play in the first quarter and the two touchdowns he threw in the fourth. Um, but, but you know, beyond that, you know, did uh, Calvin Turner was as effective as ever with the ball in his hands, you know, four catches 41 yards and his score, uh, you know, 14 more carries on the ground and another, and another touchdown rushing. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah, Day yeah. Day Hunter had another great game, 21 carries, 127 yards. So give credit Finally. to the to the offense for, like, you know, taking advantage of, it, of its opportunities. But again, you know, First State held them to a couple of field goals when, you know, maybe they could have, you know, pushed the envelope a little bit if they wanted to. But yeah, I think definitely Hawaii's defense won this game for them.
3: I'd also say the running game, because it's been garbage the whole year, but essentially not very good. Because without Chayvon Cord- Cordier playing, he's been leading the rushing attack for a couple, at least one or two games, leading the team in rushing. Like having Hunter finally show up for a big game, I think that's his biggest deal as the defense because you have a backup quarterback who was under 50%. If the running game we only had like 150 yards, they don't win this game, clearly. So I, I give almost the same credit for the running game as the defense to so why Hawaii won. Because they had to support a backup quarterback who didn't play very well. And they got almost like four and a half yards per carry. So I think I that's mean, a I think, big
2: part of it, too. I mean, I think that sort of ignores the fact that Fresno State did land a few punches in, in that regard. Like, they did have nine TFLs as a team. The problem yeah. was that Hawaii just landed a few more.
3: Well, I mean, that's a surprise because Hawaii was isn't known to do this. And we're not expecting them to go for, for – over. I say four and a half. It's really 5.3. and look at all this other stuff, but I – if you're telling me Hunter's going to get 100 yards, I'd be like, yeah, right, whatever, he won't be close. I'd pick Turner or even the quarterback over there. So while they did get them, they still – yeah, you got all those TFLs, but they still came back and made plays, mm-hmm. which I think that's as big a deal for – because if, you, if they're going to put on the shoulders or sh- Shager, no way they win this game. Like defense and running game was the reason they won. And then Fresno was like, Fresno's a good team, and they had, they were – it's just issues they had. All the things we already mentioned, all the turnovers – can't score in the red zone, turning it over in the red zone. All they had to do, not all, but like basically have one of those red zone turnovers turn into a field goal and they probably win this game. Mm-hmm. And that's this was a game where this is Fresno State's worst game by far. It will be the worst game they played all year and they still had a chance to win the game.
2: Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing like we talked about you know sneaky problems that you know Utah State had or a little bit earlier. Um fumbles are kind of a problem for the Bulldogs. You know, through six games, they've fumbled eleven times and lost eight of them. And you know, while you would imagine that that fumble block is probably going to even out a little bit in the long run, or at least you can expect it to kind of regress to the mean. There, I mean, there's no doubt that that's the kind of thing that that doomed them this week. Is you know, they they put the ball on the carpet a couple times, and Hawaii took advantage of it.
3: All right. No, that's total total what happened. And and, and
2: then again, and, and again, that's a credit to the to the secondary in particular because Bethley had one and Nelson had the other.
3: Yeah. Like that the that secondary's legit. Yeah, they just had a couple games and wasn't that it just they finally figured it out and this is like nobody I wouldn't expect this game to be the one where they figured out get all those interceptions. Like, yeah, yeah the bounce off the hands, a little tricky, but like the one, like I said, Davis got the one he just dove and got on the sideline right by the end zone. Like, they're good. I just wouldn't expect it to be against this type of team that's as good passing, where here's their biggest defensive game of the year with that secondary. Even though Jay Cater still threw for almost 400 yards. That's true.
2: Yeah. I mean, Hawaii, we we expected them to be a thorn on the side. And they've, they've still
3: got plenty of opportunities to make some noise. Yeah, they got Nevada on the road in two weeks, who they beat twice in a row. Mm-hmm. So that's like nothing. It's, they got New Mexico State. It's like their schedule. They get the Aztecs at home. Like they have chances to get back in contention. They're they're they,
2: back in the race.
3: They're one-on-one one in league play. And like I said, I, guarantee, I almost guarantee five and threes go in the West Division. Only team not in it is, I still say UNLV. I don't think San Jose State's going to do it. But but they but they're sitting at uh, more than conference play. They just uh, they beat Hawaii, so are they one to know in league play. I think. Uh, yes. So far. Yeah. One well, it's like I don't think they're gonna do it, but heck, they're one to know. Like we already like they got CSU. Well, they could probably beat them. ASX will be tough. It's they get Wyoming at home. They get Fresno at home. Speaking of the, of the Spartans here, like they get all these tough games at home. So if we get games like this, it's. Kind of not sucky, but it's kind of fortunate where the league's good enough to have all these teams beat each other up. There won't be any team like getting any real national respect. Like, oh, they go eight and four in the Mountain West and win the division, win the conference. But look at all these teams that are probably, if you look at Sagarin and SP, Plus, are probably all top 70 teams, top 65 teams. But basically, from 20 to 60, it's everybody's the same almost. You know what I mean? 20 to 50. And mm-hmm. they might have a couple of those teams in there. And so it'll be. Exciting to watch like we've been saying it forever, like all these games, West Division, now the Mountain Division with Utah State being more interesting and CSU seemingly on the upswing with how they've been playing the past couple weeks. Every game should be a pretty good game. Like all these like look at the whole weekend. With all these matchups and games we have, there wasn't anything that was like a a massive blowout, really. Like, yeah, New Mexico didn't play Gravers Air Force. That was probably the, the biggest one out there. But we don't expect to come to Mexico or UNLV, unfortunately. But the Rebels are right there in their game, too, and they lost. Like, every game was a reasonably close game, and some interesting things happened. Mm-hmm. So, was any final words before we let people go for Week 5 recap?
2: No, yeah, I think we're good.
3: All right, so thank you for tuning in to uh, this week's show. We'll be back next week to uh, discuss, what, Week 6? Halfway through almost? Oh, boy. Going mm-hmm. too yes, fast. sir. Almost halfway, so MWR.com. we'll have all of our stuff out there for the week, power rankings, bowl stuff, every any other news updates on, like, we we'll look at quarterbacks. So you have on Cordero didn't play. You have uh, Nick Stark with San Jose State. We have UNLV stuff. So there's a lot of interesting things going on. Utah State, is Logan Bonner going to be healthy for next game? Or is it going to be Andrew Peasley? So we'll we'll get all that stuff sorted out in the best we can for everybody. And just to tell people you like the show and say, hey, This might be something you're interested in for some college football news. So we'll see everybody next week or next time, I should say.